Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. I'm finally back from my long holiday. So you'll see, actually, it looks like my stuff fell down behind me, if you can see me. I used to have some nice uh, hexagons, but they all fell down. Um, so I literally just got out of the quarantine hotel today. So I'm happy that we have a new episode ready to be recorded with our good guest, Mitch Coco. I think that's your alias online, right? Yeah, well, like my last name's Co, so it's just... Coco, just yeah. extra cove yeah little nickname from high school i guess <laughs> uh i forgot to ask how i should best introduce you but i guess i can say uh you are a youtuber or youtubist or i don't know how you want to say that but uh you have a lot of really interesting videos i was just watching a couple before the episode today and uh like the, you have one about 30 minutes about how to get into dart in 30 minutes that was pretty good and you have quite a few episodes with david chen who was a previous guest on the show uh, I think I talked enough, so maybe uh, I'll leave this over to you. Why don't you give a quick self-intro? Yeah. Hey, guys. My name is Mitch. Um, I don't know if I would identify myself as a YouTuber. I mean, I make YouTube uh, tutorials related to Flutter, so um, that's probably what most people know me for on the internet. But um, beyond that, you know, I didn't actually have a full computer science background, so this is kind of my way of like learning myself how to code and make apps. Um, you know, ultimately I want to make different apps just for myself to sort of, you know, make money and to be independent. And I don't know, it's just enjoyable for me with the kind of creativity aspect. And, um, I had a full journey of like how I ended up to this position of like actually choosing to, you know, use Flutter over like other technologies and all that. But so, you know, happy to get into whatever you want to get into, but, um, yeah, actually, I guess I would start with when I was from uh, high school, I was like very good at math. And so when I was going to university, like my thought process was just, I like math and I want to make money. So I want to study finance. That's, you know, the extent of the thinking, very, very simple. Um, but yeah, and in uni, I just kind of slowly realized I don't want to be a banker. You know, I don't want to like live that corporate investment banking life, although I'm happy to know about the knowledge from my own personal investing, but sort of you know, something I want to do for the rest of my life. It's like, nah. So I kind of uh, took computer science subjects pretty late, um, but I still finished my finance and all that stuff. So um, I was luck luckily, I was kind of able to do some of the fundamental computer science subjects, you know, like data structures and algorithms and stuff. So, um, you know, I just kind of get a lot of other people to help me out with some, you know, difficult computer science related topics. But I guess like if I had to describe myself, I would kind of, feel like a hybrid between a designer and a developer or like a designer and an engineer. Um, I really like the way things look and like, like the UI UX part of it. Um, I would say probably like, uh, like front end development. And um, I was making a bunch of games, you know, just a lot of random stuff, a lot of different rabbit holes I went into. And lately I've been trying to kind of improve my backend knowledge, which, uh, you know, I would say is my weakest part, but I kind of want to make a, app with like users and all this stuff so you know i dabbled with firebase but then it's like okay i feel like i need to go beyond this and you know what's what's the kind of the sustainable long-term way to do this and yeah i'm just you know i consider myself a student of the game like i'm not an expert by any means like i'm always sort of uh trying to learn there's so much to learn i feel like the more i know the more i realize i don't know anything kind of uh kind of feel and with the youtube channel it's kind of a way to like teach myself and have it like uh, recorded somewhere for me to uh, refer back to and if other people like watch it then you know cool if it helps them out um, sometimes it's useful when they point out my mistakes or like you know I'll kind of 
you know, I'm obviously being vulnerable about showing my code and all that. So if people are like, nah, you're not doing this right. And they point it out. I'm so happy because, um, you know, throw my ego to the side. It's like, I'm just here to learn. So, uh, yeah, you can, uh, take that wherever you want, but yeah, that's kind of a brief intro about me. Yeah, I mean, okay, this is pretty interesting. So you said that you were looking into finance, but then you decided to go into programming. Like, I, I'm just trying to understand, like, how do you how do you make that change? I mean, they're really two different things. Hundred percent, yeah. Uh, although, although, because I I did do some teaching, uh, like part time, and some of my students were like, "Oh, we're actually going to go into banking," but now to go into banking, you have to know Python and you have to know some programming because that's basically it. Right. Yeah. And when I was in banking. I had to actually translate Excel sheets into code. Man, Excel sheets are more code like than I think actual coding because that Excel programming is freaking tough. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone probably feels it like technology is probably in every asset, like every sector of, you know, any industry you'll see like some involvement of tech. And you're completely right, like even Excel spreadsheets, you know, which finance people use a lot. Um, you know, you put like formulas in and all that, like it's, it's basically coding. Um, but anyway, like what you were saying about how I transitioned from something like finance to, to coding and all that, like, yeah, that was, that was like a painful soul search moment for me, you know, just kind of growing up, uh, and kind of figuring out what I want to do with my life. But, um, when I was in university, so finance is part of commerce, which is business. And there was a lot of startup competitions going around. And I always wanted to, you know, make something happen in the world. So I was kind of joining these startup competitions. And uh, what's funny about startup competitions is because it's in, because uh, you're making a business, 95 of the percent, sorry, 95% of the participants are business students. And like the rest 5% are like, you know, programmers, software engineer, maybe biomed, something like that. And so I was surrounded by too many like, quote unquote, business people where like so much of the focus is like uh, making like a pitch deck, like a PowerPoint to present to uh, like an investor or something, which, you know, which I fully respect that kind of process and all that. But like, I felt like the emphasis was so heavy on that side. And I kept seeing this pattern, which is, you know, you got a billion dollar app ID in your pitch and every, every group, including my group, it's like at the end of the pitch deck, it's like, oh, now we just have to hire a software engineer. Like that's basically what you're raising money for to hire a you know software engineer to make the damn um the damn thing and so like and like I said I was kind of soul searching at this point and I was like I don't really want to be a banker or investment banker no disrespect but that's just not for me um and I was like I'm obviously I'm just generally interested in tech you know like phones and gadgets and all this stuff um and so at this point just as a aside for fun I was programming android apps with java which was like my first language and that's when i kind of started to pick up computer science subjects at uni and um kind of took it more seriously so i wanted to be someone who got their hands a bit dirty in the tech and not just be that kind of business guy who's just sort of outsourcing everything you know what i mean like especially in this day and age it's like there's so much you can do with with a smaller team than you needed uh back in the day and i kind of watched my dad go through a lot of uh, you know, his own online business venture journey thing, website stuff. And I kind of grew up uh, seeing that a lot and, you know, thinking about my own things and like, um, I'm 26 now. So, you know, the whole social media landscape and, you know, we can talk about YouTube, you know, you want to talk about that. There's so many things in tech that's, uh, I feel so privileged to be in. And I just kind of, 
you know, I just love this, love whatever we're doing, you know, like what's really funny is like, I want to make an app at the end of the day and like get users and all that stuff. Right. And like, that's the ultimate goal. And to get there, I have like so much to learn. And so I just keep sharing that knowledge of what I learned. And finally, like, I don't know if it's like ironic or what, but like, finally, like that's what is making money. You know, like I haven't even sold an app before. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I put like free apps and stuff, like calculators, games and stuff on, you know, play store and all that but like i haven't made like most of my money through selling an app which ultimately i want to do but you know there's a lot of other opportunities that just keep rising so yeah it's cool yeah but i think um i mean it's quite interesting because when you have the skills to create an app you still need to have the idea and also having it there's like two parts of this right i think that are not programming one is the idea the other one is like the more like the execution, like how you like market it and how you get the users, right? Because it's not difficult to make something with code, but to get people to actually use your stuff is really difficult. Right. I would argue like, I think for the longest time, I had the similar train of thought to you, which is like, it's all the idea. And I'll be sitting in my room, you know, trying to devise the genius plan, like the perfect app or whatever. Um, but I feel like it's kind of, like 10% idea and 90% execution. And also along the way of executing kind of like a shitty V1, V2, you kind of like change, you can kind of pivot and, you know, you learn new things along the way. And I, that's why I'm really trying to learn coding because that's what for me pushes like my goals forward in what I want to make and stuff like that. It's, I could sit, I could sit there and make a PowerPoint all day. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, the plan it's it's you should write it down for sure but at some point someone's going to go out there and make it and um yeah but you're right i mean at the end of i mean it is a what do they call like uh meritocracy it's like yeah if you, do, if you don't have a good idea then yeah for sure it's not going to work but it's like um sometimes on the bias toward action people end up i think finding more nugs along the way like more kind of golden nuggets along the way that you kind of almost accidentally find in, in some, some situations where, um, yeah, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of Paul Graham. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but like, he's like the Y Combinator guy, which is, um, I don't know if you call it like an accelerator or incubator in, in San Fran and like Airbnb and stuff came out of there. So like, I listened to a lot of that, uh, like knowledge about startups and all that. And so uh, one of the things they always push is that, MVP, which Flutter is amazing at. And that's why I love Flutter because uh, without committing so much, you know, like get full iOS engineer, full Android engineer and the whole company and the whole shebang, it's like, all right, just get a couple smart guys or like a two to five kind of, you know, size team of smart individuals and they can just test out an idea. And if it works, then at that point you can figure out, okay, how are we going to scale this and all that? It becomes like a good problem to have. Because uh, like you said, you can make something and people might not um, might not jive with it and you've spent the last, you know, however long, however many months making it. And so, uh, I mean, it's a hard game for sure, uh, but it's a game I, I kind of like, um, especially if you like being creative and you just want to make a lot of random stuff, even just for yourself, whether it sells or not. Um, I just love it. I kind of always encourage younger people to learn coding like, now because i learned kind of late like I, I learned when i was like i started learning coding for real when i was like 20 and that's pretty like you know some people like from like when they're teens and like all that so i wasn't one of those people but if i look back and i look at my younger self i'm like start coding which 
I actually tried, by the way, when I was 14, trying to code an iPhone app and it was so hard. So I kind of detached from it for like a lifetime. And it took a lifetime and whole search, soul searching to come back to, I guess, what I originally wanted to do. Well, that's actually the topic I want to kind of get into is like, how did you start programming? So it's interesting. You actually started, you, well, you, you tried to start, I guess you can kind of say, back when you said 14, right? With iOS. Yeah, yeah. That was like when the first iPhone came out. So it's like 2006 or seven or something like that. And so I was like, yeah, I was like 14 or, you know, around that age. And yeah, my dad was like, oh, you should try making an iPhone app because the iPhone just came out. Sounds like a cool idea. Um, I guess the first iPhone didn't have an app store, but whenever the app store came out, you know, just, um, and he bought me like this course or something. And then, yeah, I remember learning about some basic concepts like the word array and stuff, but I didn't know what the hell was going on. And um, that kind of demotivated me a little bit, I think. It was like, I thought I wasn't one of those, like, unless it comes easy to me, like, I thought like, oh, that's what it means to like, feel natural in something. It's like, but nah. Um, yeah. Later, like, uh, this is kind of, you know, tangent, tangential and kind of long backstory, but uh, my dad is kind of like a math, you know, math guy, like a math teacher. And so we had a sort of tutoring company to, you know, that's kind of how we sustained our life. And so I'll, I'm really into math. Like I do a lot of math teaching. Um, and so that's kind of goes hand in hand with what I do with coding on YouTube. It's like, I just love teaching. Um, one interesting experience I had with teaching is I thought I was really good at math in high school, but I realized I kind of really understood math once I started teaching someone else. Like trying to get not just my own brain to understand, but trying to get another brain to understand this idea. Um, like, yeah, I learned a lot from that. And so that's kind of what I do with the coding thing. Like when I first started my YouTube channel, which was two or three years ago, I didn't know anything about Flutter. Like, it's not like I had this wealth of knowledge and like, ah, let's make videos. It's every video I learned, you know what I mean? And um, I'm sure like if you go back to some videos, even some videos like that I post these days, it's like, it's not perfect. It's not, uh, it's not like, you know, the most optimized code or anything. It's like, I'm sure there's better ways to do things. Um, but this is my way to learn. Like I said, some people, a lot of people comment and help me on some certain, you know, there's a better way to do that, Mitch. Like, or like there's some notation I never knew about. It's like, oh shit. Like, oh, I was doing it the long way the whole time, but thanks for that. It's like a gym. And since I don't like work at a tech company or anything, um, this is sort of like my way to, you know, interact with people and, you know, just show my GitHub and all that. And yeah, but yeah, I still have a long way to go. Like, that's why, you know, with some certain friends around like David and stuff, like they're so much smarter than me. And so kind of, I absorb a lot of their knowledge, like, cause yeah, I'm still, still got a lot to learn. All right. And I think I want to make that clear. I think we talked about David before we started recording, right? So David Chen was a previous guest on here who we basically had some mutual contact, but we, I discovered it recently, right? So we didn't know each other from David. It just kind of happened that we just both knew David. So I just want to make that clear to the audience. Yeah, I came on here because um, David came on here. David, you know, is a friend of mine. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I, you know, found found you as well. So so this uh, this second time, so you you gave up, and I understand actually because when iPhone first came out, you you had to do reference counting too, which I think is really difficult. You know the retain and whatever retain release or something. I don't know, man. I have no idea. I, I wasn't successful in making an array, so. <laughs> okay, um, but then you went you went back to it when you were like twenty, right? Now, did you 
I don't think he went back to straight using Flutter, right? Because Flutter, I don't think, is even six years old, or at least not widely known at six years, right? So what were you were you working with? Yeah, so Java was my first language, so that's why I kind of naturally just started I feel making bad for you Android right now because that's painful. <laughs> Sorry, I have to right, say Right, yeah, yeah. That's a painful first language. Right, no, it's okay. I think, yeah, it's, you know, when you go to uni now or college, it's like, well, Python now is a first language and... Um, yeah, I mean, just on that note with the Java thing, yeah, I remember first learning Java, it's like so many words, it's like public static void, man. I'm like, oh, so, so like so many things going on. Um, but eventually, you know, things, the wheels start clicking and you start understanding what each word means and like your kind of conceptual, you know, understanding grows. And I don't know, I like parentheses and brackets and all that. But uh, anyway, so what were, you, what, were you asking, <laughs> what were you asking me about? Um, oh, yeah. How did I start coding? Yeah, so the second time, right? Or the most recent time when you were 20. Yeah, yeah. Once I became a bit older, um, Java was my first language. And so I was able to make Android apps with Java. Um, I don't even think Kotlin was a thing or not to my memory. It was just like, oh, Java, you can make Android apps. And when I say I made Android apps, it's like literally I made a calculator and maybe like a snake game or something like that. Uh, and then like uh, coming from that sort of startup and business mindset and I wanted to just make MVPs and test stuff out, test different ideas out. It kind of annoyed me that, that kind of bummed me out that I had to choose either um, be an Android engineer or iOS engineer. Like I had to make a decision at this point, right? It's okay, I gotta come in. Do I wanna do I wanna make Android apps? And kind of maybe down the line I can pick up the other language and same thing with iOS. It's like, okay, start with iOS and kind of be locked in that ecosystem and that kind of bummed me out. And that's when I looked at different solutions and that's when I found this whole cross-platform, you know, phenomenon. And um, I didn't even go as deep as like comparing like Xamarin and stuff. I only knew about that and Ionic later. I only, the only thing that was on my radar was React Native and, and Flutter. And Flutter was a bit newer made by Google and the other one was made by Facebook. I don't know if this is like a irrational, emotional decision, but something about Flutter just looked cleaner. And anyway, I tried Flutter. And one thing I loved about it was um, it was just easy to get started. I mean, I never tried React Native, so I can't really compare in that, in that respect. But once I just started with Flutter, I just started to get going. And so I just never looked back. <laughs> it was just It was just great. And at least the peace of mind, for me is that it's good at uh, mobile apps, you know, like, cause it's all cross platform now, the, now they're doing desktop and web and all that. And me personally, I'm not too worried or too concerned of having great experience on desktop and Mac. I mean, it'd be great to have down, down the line, but for me and for me, like right now in the near future, just having good mobile, you know, that's pretty much what I care about. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I just started learning Flutter. <laughs> And I think learning Flutter, I mean, since you, the second time around, you started learning Java. I, for me, like, I felt like I was back in Java slash JavaScript land when I started learning Flutter and Dart. Did you feel like a little bit at home with everything? Because there is some of the keywords there. Yeah, I couldn't even, I didn't even know that. I mean, when I was learning Dart in Flutter, it I, to me, it felt the exact same. <laughs> I was like, oh, and I mean, obviously there's some s small uh, things in Dart that, you can't do it with Java, like notation wise. And like, sometimes I still write like the Java way, like, you know, there's like the equal and like when you want to execute like a function and you can just execute it right then and there without opening up the curly braces. Um, yeah, like I, I should use that more like the dart way, but I don't know, sometimes my hands are like so 
ingrained with Java. So like, um, yeah, I, I kind of need to, that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes like on YouTube, someone will comment and be like, like, bro, like you can do this notation. And it's like, oh, thank you. Like helps me learn. Yeah, that, that was like the one thing I noticed like out of the bat. I was like, wow, this feels a lot like a nice mixture because for me, I don't like JavaScript. I don't like Java. What I do like about Java is the type, the the type safety, right? With the typing, the strong typing. Mm. What I don't like about uh, Java is the, uh, you know, boilerplate. Like if I want to make a program, I have to make a freaking class, which to me still sounds outrageous. And I'm sure that must make you go a little bit weird too. When you're like, well, what the hell? I have to make a class and with a public static main. And to me, maybe now you don't think, maybe at the time you didn't think too much about it, but like if you come from another language and then go to Java, you're like, well, what the hell is this? Because I can't think of any other popular language that makes you make a class in order to start the program. Like if there is one, I would love to hear about it in terms of something that's not on the JVM, but that just blows my mind. And I always thought that was ridiculous. Um, and I always never knew what to call it. I think Java has the most boilerplate required to execute a Hello World fun- like Hello World app. You need the most to get that goal. <laughs> like, there's so much setup required. Hello World. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I, what I understand about Java is it's not meant to be like people at home. You guys can let me know what you think. But like, I was told from somebody that like Java is great for like big companies because it like forces you to write a lot of stuff, and supposedly that's a good thing for big companies, but not so good obviously for startups. I, I forgot what the terminology that they use for it. It kind of made sense, but you know, this is some guy who told me, I don't know how much he really knows. Going back to the syntax, right? So, so you started picking up, jo- uh, sorry, um, Flutter. I'm sure you just went straight to Flutter, right? I don't think I know many people that went from like Dart and to Flutter. It's like, you always go to Flutter and then Dart. I only knew that was a thing through Flutter. Like I don't, even to this day, I don't even know what Dart is used for outside of Flutter. Like <laughs> what is it used for? Uh, quite a lot of things. I mean, um, I mean, there's some people who are using, so there's something called ServerPod that's that's using a backend written, but still has a Flutter oh, piece okay. to it. Uh, supposedly, there's just straight Dart written for like Google AdSense, I think. I I don't think I've ever seen or anybody outside of Google's ever seen it. But um, another thing too is, um, you know, SCSS. Have you heard that before? Sassy CSS. Okay, so it's a CSS preprocessor, which like basically. Um, you can you, you write CSS with this special CSS like syntax language. You know what CSS is, right? At least. Okay. So when you have a web page, you have two things that basically you'll see. One is uh, HTML, which is just like oh structure. CSS. Sorry, yes, you mean HTML CSS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. So so sassy CSS or SCSS is like a way that like an extended version of CSS, and. You've never written, you never written before, right? I have in high school. I have in high school. Okay. But you, you never written SCSS, right? No, definitely not. Okay. Um, but the processor for that, to change it from SCSS to CSS is actually written in Dart. Uh, it used to be C, but now they changed it over to Dart, which is kind of interesting. I remember when I saw that, I was like, why the hell would you choose Dart? It's such an odd, weird language that, that nobody's using. Uh, but yeah, that's one thing. Um, the other thing too is it actually can compete with um, C. If, in Rust, if that makes sense to you, like I did some, I saw some benchmarks, and it's can you can get quite fast. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's people who are using it, but for sure, the biggest one I can think of that's not Flutter related would be uh, SCSS. But I'm sure there must be some other stuff. Right, right. Um, okay, so you you were learning Flutter. I mean, Dart. 
because obviously they're so related. Um, I mean, like, did you try to learn like React and all these other things, like React Native, or did you just start with Flutter and that was it? Just kind of clicked. Yeah, I mean, if Flutter didn't really work out for me, then I would have have to. Yeah, I would go back and check out some of the other ones like React Native, but um, yeah, I just never never needed to. Yeah, but that's not because. I'm pushing the limits of Flutter. I think it's just like, like I still have like a lot to learn to like, you know, especially on the backend side, there's a lot to learn. So it's like, for me, it's like, that's, I'm talking as some, you know, some person who's like not, you know, like, uh, like an expert in this field. So for me personally, it's good. And I really enjoy like making like the UIs, like, you know, when you go dribble and you just like make the front end of the UI, I love doing that. Um, and for that, I think Flutter is, like again, I haven't com haven't used other languages or other frameworks, so I can't really compare. But I think Flutter is so good at making the UI. Like I could just I've I used to like um have this thing where I would do one UI every morning for thirty days just to learn you know the widgets and all that. I would just go dribble and pick a UI like a some nice looking design that someone else uh, did on Drupal, and I would just um like clone it essentially. And so I did that for like quite a while now. And I don't know, it's just like an actual enjoyable experience for me, just cloning those UIs. And that's what like, I really like spend a lot of time doing now, which is like kind of the idea phase of a business. And I could, you know, uh, whip up like a front end of the app, like basically like the skeleton. And then I can give it to my friend over here who's really good at backend and he will just hook it up and do all that. And uh, we have like a very uh, complimentary skill set i reckon and so i can just do what i'm good at and what i enjoy but i still want to learn about the other side so i was still always asking him <laughs> like teach me how to do backend and like you know i want to get off firebase like <laughs> um but yeah i mean you know lot to learn he was like schooling me the other day on the whole sql and you know no sql and like breaking it all down for me so um yeah i've been learning a lot in this past couple like weeks and months to be honest well i mean like what is your your final goal um um because yeah i mean i do you still want to stick in flutter or do you want to get more like what i would call full stack we're actually doing a, a separate back end like kind of like what's your your kind of goal right well so kind of the ultimate i guess goal is i want to create uh like an app and create a business around that you know that makes money with users and stuff and um, you know, so I just try to execute on a couple of different ideas that I have, try to solve some problems in my life. I do a lot of tutoring and teaching math. And so like in that kind of space, I always kind of, you know, looking at different ways to help kids learn. Um, that's kind of, you know, big part of who I am, uh, seeing as my parents have ran a whole tutoring company and all that. So I have a lot of like, kind of thoughts on education in itself. Um, so that's kind of like the ultimate, ultimate goal, but like my kind of sub goals along the way is I want to get better at programming. Um, like you said, um, trying to become closer to a full stack engineer is something that one day I aspire to <laughs> reach. Um, but at the same time, like nowadays, just kind of linking up with different people and kind of old friends that they actually start to pick up Flutter. And that's what I find really interesting. I used to be the only person in my life that I know that uses Flutter and I have to go on the internet to like find my people. Right. But nowadays, like a lot of, um, you know, just young people my age, they just, pick up Flutter and they find my videos and realize that it's me. And then we're just kind of uh, tossing ideas back and forth. And 
you know, I mean, when you're young, it's like, that's what I always kind of preach to these guys. It's like, you, so I, th- I feel like um, some people have the mindset of like, work at a big corp- corporate company now and one day I'll start a company or like one day I'll, I'll, I'll do it when I get the experience or whatever it is. Um, but I always think about it the opposite way where it's like, I feel like you could just get a job anytime <laughs> when you're like 30, 35, 40. It's like, there's something very advantageous about being young and I'm 26. And even these days, cause I teach young kids um, and they're always teaching me about TikTok and all this, how to use this stuff. It's like something that was so natural to me nowadays is kind of slipping away in my fingers. And I'm, for me, I have to like study like all this social media, like trying to put my, uh, get my numbers up, <laughs> you know, like how to do YouTube well and all this stuff. And um, so uh yeah so like with the youtube thing as well i didn't really expect my youtube to really kind of grow at all like it wasn't really for other people to see like i said that's kind of i think that was an emotional protection that i did for myself it's like because sometimes when people want to start a youtube channel they kind of have the fear that no one's going to watch it and at the beginning no one is going to watch it (laughs) um but kind of what i always tell a person who wants to start a new channel is don't do it for the views i mean it's you know sounds kind of obvious but it's kind of hard to digest in some respect it's like just choose something that you want to do anyway and you're just putting it online and if people gravitate towards it then that's your people like you don't have to um go out there and kind of uh worry about i mean there are haters and all that so you know it is a sort of personal uh comfort zone that you do have to get out of but every time i do step out of my comfort zone only good things have happened like um of course you know i'll have some times where some people uh, like you were telling me as, as well at the beginning of the show where um, you would uh, see some of my tutorials and you would disagree with some, you know, whatever it is. And I like that. Like, and I'm not embarrassed about it because I want you to tell me and then I'll learn. Like, and that's what all the people do on kind of uh, the comments because I'm not an expert at all. Like I want to be one day, but I'm uh, still really like relatively new and uh, you know, I mean, I started coding when I was 20, so it's been six years, but still like in Flutter space, it's like everything's changing so much. And like, like kind of my entrepreneurial spirit keeps like, you know, lighting a flame and everything that, uh, everything that's related to Flutter, it just kind of helps me in what I want to ultimately achieve. You know, sometimes like when people talk down on Flutter, they talk about what Flutter can't do. And um, obviously there's, if you have a cross-platform framework, you're going to sacrifice some level of depth in some capabilities, like, um, like the new iPhone iOS, like lock screen widget comes out and you want to make that. Yeah. You might have to dig into the native code to do that, but just in general, there's so many sort of business ideas that people have that doesn't require such a heavy engineering, um, engineered app, you know, and, uh, Flutter is just so amazing at, as I said before, the MVP stage of it, you know, just getting maybe like one to a thousand users. And this is another thing I kind of always uh, love talking about, which is the thousand true fans. I don't know if you've heard of that. Like, I'm happy to talk about it if you're not. No, you go ahead. Yeah, no, it's just um something that's really, it should speak to a lot of Flutter developers, which is, I feel like Flutter is the spirit of the independent developer like a small team trying to get something off the ground. I think that's kind of where Flutter's strength lies and it's very popular uh, framework for those type of people. And sometimes we get caught up on YouTube and all these numbers where you feel like you need to get like a million like views or a million downloads to truly make money or make success. 
Um, but this guy, Kevin Kelly, always talking about this thousand true fans, which is uh, you make something and all you need to focus on is just focus on 1,000 people to truly love it as opposed to trying to get a million people to sort of kind of like it. And the thing about this that I love is when you get a thousand people to truly love it, then they'll tell their friends and, you know, it's like exponential growth and you'll get to your million or whatever it is. Um, but I love that like, kind of simplified thinking of uh, just focus on the people in front of you and uh, the people that I teach in real life with like math and stuff. I always keep them in my mind when I'm making an app and that helped me a lot. And kind of Paul Graham talks about this a lot, kind of helped me out a lot, which is when I'm thinking of an app idea, it's like you have this imaginary sometimes like this imaginary customer um, or you're thinking about too many customers, I guess. But if you just try to think about, okay, the guy you're actually serving in front of you or someone you know that has a problem and you think about that real person, um, things become really concrete. And then I'll start like talking, you know, with my friends and all that about, you know, what we could make, you know, pay that 149 Apple developer fee, you know, like let's get the app out there kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that the honorary fee is it's not nice, but it's not that it's a business is not expensive as a person it depends on your your finances right i mean if you're a student it could be if you're a student in like thailand yeah it could be really expensive student usa still could be expensive but you might be able to ask your parents or something for it yeah it's it's just don't eat for three days or three meals rather like and you don't have to do that all at once but like just have two meals a day for three days instead of three meals a day you'll pay that you'll pay that fee yeah, I mean, if you if you really want something, you'll find a way to get to it, right? Yeah. Actually, uh, we do have a question from the audience. Uh, yes, I'm not sir. Too sure how to say his name. I think it's Andrea Askovich. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, he's interested. Uh, he says he's also a beginner like yourself, uh, and he really wants to know more about architecture. Um, and he's curious about what is your ideas and thoughts about architecture. How do you learn it? Uh, he didn't say all this stuff, but that's I think really interesting is like how do you like how do you learn about architecture uh what kind of state management are you using uh these kinds of questions because that's i mean if you if your architecture is something wrong it could get you into trouble right i think you've already realized that um yeah you just said don't try to pronounce his name (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah what are your what is your thoughts about that and how do you learn about it yeah for sure um yeah that is also a topic that i'm like literally currently trying to figure out for myself and i've just dabbled in you know, the whole like provider, GetX and all these different stuff. And most of my knowledge from it comes from Reddit, <laughs> like getting people's red- opinion on Reddit. Um, but nowadays, like, cause I talk to David a lot now. Um, and actually recently we were talking about it. Like he was basically like teaching me and um, his thing, which I found really interesting was um, for you to not use any of those packages and just sort of make your own, make your own one with a stream builder and, kind of like I, I jotted all this down and I'm, I need to like work on it. But, um, but yeah, like I learned a lot from him through like how to make your architecture good and the state management thing. And that was a very recent thing I learned. Like just, uh, he told me about kind of the stream builder and how to make it here. Gave me these three things to look out for. Um, so yeah, honestly, outside of that, I don't have much to offer here. Uh, but yeah, what about, what about for yourself? Um, I mostly just make it up to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah really, right. <laughs> I, I mean, Initially, yeah, I made it up. So um, I copied like the style I have for the back for the back end I have. So I like to do my own custom back ends. And so how I structure the back end, I try to mirror that on the app. And it makes, makes it easier in case you're going back and forth. You know where things are. Yeah. Um, but I do see some people kind of 
being Java like we're okay, I got presenters, I got models, all this kind of stuff, services. To me, I mean, the thing about architecture and all this kind of stuff, it's like go for what's easier for you, how your team works. That's basically the big thing for me. Uh, which state management, um, I just stay away from GitX because there's a big backlash against it. And all I hear is negative stuff. And uh, I think it is probably one of the few, if not the only major state management solution out there that doesn't um, that doesn't go like the Flutter way, if that makes sense, where it's like they, they try to like hide things like with the context and all that kind of stuff. So I just never use it. Um, mostly I'm doing block stuff. I find it much easier. I do have one app. Um, what do you call that? One app with uh, what is that other one? Riverpod. Uh, River Pod, I find that yeah. one to be much more difficult. I don't know why. Maybe it's just myself. Uh, but I know everybody else is using Riverpod. But um, yeah, I mean to be honest, like I think you can probably use anything, whatever works better for you. But that's just my own personal opinions. Uh, I know there is. I think Flutter finally has like a skeleton where they can they kind of show you how to set up your structure. But I've never followed that style before. And I think uh, Very Good Ventures has a CLI where they also do something similar, if not the same as what Flutter does. You know, I I take a lot of courses. Like whenever I see a Flutter course, I usually buy it or I take it. And then I learn from it. And then usually it changes my mind about something. And then uh, I just learn a little bit every single time. I think um, you initially actually messaged me about the um, the game, like a snake game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Games. I mean, are you using the the Flame Engine for that one? No, I'm not. I actually, well, I don't make games anymore, but when I was learning Flutter about like a year or two ago, I was essentially trying to learn the widgets and all that. And I, I think I heard Bill Gates talk about just make tic-tac-toe. And I was like, where is columns and containers? Surely I could make tic-tac-toe, right? So I was like, okay. And I started making that and it kind of just went on a rabbit hole. Um, I didn't really intend on it, <laughs> but um, I just started making, you know, like all the old games, like, you know, the old school, like Pac-Man and Snakes and Space Invaders and Pong. I even kind of went a bit, like, not 3D, but still 2D plane, but it's like games like Pokemon. Um, but I never used a Flame engine, like that Flame engine. I kind of checked it out, but my goal with making these games wasn't actually necessarily to make a game. It was just, I just wanted to learn how, to, how Flutter works and stuff. So I didn't want to use a package. I just kind of, that was that, that's why that was my whole playlist that um initially i think got interest which is just flutter games from scratch like i would just make it completely from scratch just pure like flutter um and yeah and yeah after that i started making a bunch of uis because that's what i actually wanted to do i want to make you know absolute users and stuff like that um but yeah firebase was kind of helpful for the snake game when I wanted to make it more online and kind of store some high scores and display it back so that, um, you know, we can see other people playing it. And I just used like Firebase hosting and, um, you know, it was really easy to set up and stuff. So yeah, I just did that. But right now I'm learning how to do some more, <laughs> something that's not necessarily Firebase. Like I said, I got schooled the other day about SQL versus NoSQL. So I think I have to go the SQL route so I got to kind of put my glasses on. I need to study a bit. <laughs> Happy to hear that because I'm very anti NoSQL, but I right. haven't yet to, <laughs> to find a project that I enjoyed that's done with NoSQL or at least like schema-less. I think your guest yesterday, I was listening to it today. I think he was um, like a Firebase. It was interesting. He was working at Lyft and all that. Um, 
came out and he's using Flutter and Firebase, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, he's using Firebase, and that's pretty interesting. Yeah, but there's a lot of companies that are using Firebase actually. Like uh, one of my clients right now is actually using Firebase. I'm trying to talk them into something else, and I think they're open to it. But let's see what happens. I think the the only other one I think that's really interesting is Superbase. Ah, Superbase. That one is super interesting. They use Postgres, which is a SQL, and you actually have to design your scheme and everything. So you can, if you want to be in the same, like if you like to work with Firebase, but you want to work with structured data, highly recommend take a look at Superbase. I think it's uh, it could be worth your interest. Cool. Yeah, check it out. How was I was curious. Um, how how is your YouTube journey going? You've were putting a lot of hard work. I think like it's kind of it's hard to actually be really like produce a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, I know what that feels like, and I think you've been producing quite a lot of episodes. How's that going for you? Uh, we aim for one a week. Um, yeah. So it's not easy. It's it's not easy to do, but uh, yeah, it, there's ways to get around it. Like. You know, record a lot and then have a small break and still they release the episodes. That's one of the tricks I usually do. Um, yeah, otherwise, yeah. I mean, but we're here to talk about your YouTube journey, right? So with your YouTube stuff, I mean, it's really like all of your episodes, are they only just for you? Or do you ever do any episodes for your audience? I mean, look, look, it's, it's obviously the back of my mind. I know people are watching it. So it's like I have, it's not purely just like, you know, what I would do for myself, but, um, you know, it's like a Venn diagram of both, you know, m mainly it's for myself. Um, just what my kind of in that moment, my thirst of like curiosity that I need to quench, you know, sometimes like I'll just have like different phases of like different parts of the app and different widgets, or maybe it's a package or something that I found cool. Um, and yeah, I just, I just, you know, make a lot of different like I went through a whole phase of like one of them was just widget of the day. And then one of them was just like a whole bunch after that was just package of the day. Like I said, I made flooded gains for scratch and I had that whole phase. Um, and I kind of like one challenge I've been facing lately, my, I need to produce more YouTube videos, but one challenge I've been having is like, there's stuff I want to make, uh, that I don't necessarily want to make public. You know what I mean? Like it's your kind of, your own thing, right? Like your, your main uh, app, I guess, your main business. And, um, so, and, but I also need to have this other parallel content producing idea of what tutorial to make. And usually it goes hand in hand. Like I'll learn something that I need to learn for my own app and I'll make a tutorial for it, but just kind of time wise, it's like, I get a lot of pressure these days of like, I want to just kind of go full time on my own <laughs> app sometimes as in the kind of like not the YouTube, you know, sometimes like, I'm just like, oh, like it's been, like I said, my last upload was 12 days and you should have a, at least a once a week cadence, maybe even more. Um, so I need to get back on that wheel, but you know, it's a lot of, a lot of random stuff coming up in life. And like I said, just even like when it comes to productivity, like when I sit down and okay, I have three hours to code. It's like, sometimes I just want to spend it on my app, you know, and that can take a lot of time to, to grow and, and um, make work that like maybe I don't have the time to make a video and or maybe I'll make a video and it's pretty like a bad quality video or it's like a really useless video or something and I don't want to do that so uh, that's kind of been a challenge I've been balancing so yeah that's kind of why I was just asking you about 
you know, your cadence, because I'm sure you have your own full-time job and your own, you know, stuff to do, but then you also have this podcast now. And so like, and you have to be consistent with it. Right. And um, yeah, just how do you deal with it? Like your time management? <laughs> yeah. Time management is not my best suit, but um, I think the, the big thing is, you know, uh, you just have to do it. I don't know how, to, how else to say it. Like if you really want to do something, yeah, you'll just do it. There's no other way to do it. Another way to say it. Right. And I think you already know that. Yeah. Besides the Nike stuff. I mean, like my biggest thing is actually just getting started. Right. And so you just have to force yourself to get into it. And if you really want that, you'll make an effort for it. You'll find the time, et cetera. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. The guy who asked the, the question, um, he says he follows you on YouTube and he suggests to make those short UI videos. They're really cool and useful. Cool. Yeah. I love doing that. I'm going to make a whole bunch in the coming month. I'm just going to sit down. Like I said, I love looking at a dribble design or maybe come up with my own design. Something that just looks nice and sleek. Um, and yeah, I'll just clone it and I need to get better at that as well. So yeah. Andreja, where are you from? I'll definitely do that. Yeah, I don't know. Some people like, for me, sometimes I like long videos, sometimes I like short ones. So I think it's the hard thing is like when I was making, I have a couple other YouTube channels and for one of them, I used to make long ones and I also used to make short ones. And sometimes the ones, I think you probably found this too. Sometimes the videos that you thought are not really interesting are really the most interesting for people. For sure. That happens all the time. Like sometimes I'm like, this this video is banging. I'm like, this one's going to like blow up or something like that. And it doesn't. And it's not like a random ass video on the side, just like, oh, what, why are people interested in that? <laughs> I spent no time making that. Um, yeah. But yeah, actually, I wanted to, um, uh, you can just ask me whatever you want, uh, if you need. But one thing I just wanted to talk about was my very first video on Flutter, because I actually used to make YouTube videos for math, because like I said, I was like a very into like math and teaching math and all that. Um, and this is before I knew Flutter and I'd really took coding seriously. I was just always teaching math and making like math videos and it never really took off. Like it was like no one really viewed it, even though I was, um, I guess, confident in my math teaching ability. Um, and so that made me think a lot. And I really like Peter Thiel. He just the guy who made PayPal and one of those people. And I really like his theory, his book on zero to one, um, which is basically you can, if you go one to one through n, you can iterate on something that is already existing. Like for example, there was already so many math videos out there that I'm just another math video and you'll never find me on the front search page of anything unless you're like the best at it, you know, for example. Um, so then I was, when I was getting really interested in Flutter, like I said, I'm kind of like a hybrid of like a designer slash developer. And there's this particular like theme in the design community that, was getting a lot of popularity, which was new morphism, which some people might get sick of at this point. But at the time, which was like five years ago, um, yeah, four or five years ago or something, I wanted to make that new morphic design, but on Flutter, like using Flutter code. So obviously I'll look at a tutorial online, but there wasn't a tutorial, but there was like design tutorials, like Illustrator, like using Adobe Illustrator, like, cause it's a design thing. Um, and so that's when I used that Peter Thiel thing. I was like, oh, like create something that doesn't exist. Uh, and so I just kind of looked at the new morphic design that, you know, tutorial that was an illustrator, even though I don't know how to use illustrator, but basically it was just adding a couple shadows and I was like, yeah, surely Flutter, you can add some shadows. And I just looked up how to add shadows. 
And so I made that video and that video uh, was the first video on my channel, like my new channel. And it hit different, like, cause I had made math videos before that. And so I know when a video kind of feels a bit different, like, um, you know, just the views I was getting. And so, yeah, that got me pretty excited about it and kind of led me to this, to this journey. And yeah, at that point I knew almost nothing about Flutter. <laughs> I was like, I just want to make this new morphic design. Um, I was going in a holiday in San Francisco and stuff. So I was just like really in awe at like, you know, all these like tech companies and the whole dream and the whole shebang. And yeah, this is when I was like doing all the soul searching. And yeah, luckily Flutter was there for me. <laughs> I mean, now that you've been running this YouTube channel for quite some time, I mean, do you feel like having YouTube channels actually help you to advance in your work? Or for do you sure. feel, Yeah. It's only open doors. Like, I think if you get past the sort of being vulnerable stage, like, um, you know, you, you, especially, for example, if you're, if you're a coder and um, you're judged on the quality of your work or your code, right? So it's like, there's always going to be someone out there that's going to critique your work. And um, just when you get past that, like discomfort phase, I think it, the only thing it does is open doors. And one thing I love is... Um, when it comes to like marketing a product or advertising like an app, uh, you know, you can do it the old school way where you take out ads, you know, like you pay like Facebook ads or Google ads or whatever it is. Um, and I kind of always call that like interruption marketing where it's like someone would be scrolling and it's not an ad you wanted to see, but it's like just popped up because they paid money for that spot and they have to do more convincing in that situation. Whereas if you have like a YouTube following or any, you know, following for that matter, like Twitter or whatever it is, um, TikTok, <laughs> whatever your platform is, when someone follows you, they already have one foot through the door. Like they're already like a fan of you. So when you make something that's less convincing to do because they already know who you are. So it's like, I found that, I love that sort of like organic style, you know, like sustainable, like long-term, like trustworthy. Um, you know, I'm not some like scam, like, app maker who's going to make some really bad habit tracker that's just going to have a bunch of ads and like you charge like a, a lot of money to just because you just want to make money off this customer like you know you can kind of have a different relationship with them um but yeah again that comes just from being accountable like putting yourself out there and it's like a double-edged sword kind of thing um because you're putting your name and face out there and there's also this moment of truth what if you are really not like in demand like what if people actually don't like you or don't like your personality or don't like what you make that can happen um but you'll never know if you if you don't make anything like if you don't put yourself out there and there's never been a better time i always tell this to like young people but like there's never been a better time to create and a lot of young people including me we consume a lot like you watch netflix you watch youtube i watch a lot of youtube and i always think about this like like the ratio of how much you create versus how much you consume and sometimes like we consume hundred percent of the time, like just sitting there, just scrolling TikTok or Netflix or whatever. Um, and so lately I've been trying to, you know, balance that ratio out and try to create more and consume a little less. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's been working out, you know, just never been a better time to just put your stuff out there and find the people. And it, I mean, it, it's so telling because Flutter is such a small, it, right now it's kind of big, but like it's still, I would say relatively small. And in the past few years, it's definitely been small, but you can still find your people and yeah it's almost like the internet's kind of matured like it was always you're always able to do this but like you needed a couple platforms you know youtube facebook instagram the whole journey to kind of mature 
um, so that creators can actually, you know, thrive independently without working at a big company. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I feel that, like, we also talked about this before, too, like, compare Flutter now with, like, when you're learning Swift. To be honest, I for sure, I know they're two different things. And maybe maybe there's some other differences, too. But I think the big difference is that it definitely is much easier to write Flutter app than it is to write a Swift app. Right. Sorry, there was no Swift back then. There was Objective-C, so it's even more difficult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just remember, because I did try learning iOS development a long time ago. It was uh, not easy, um, but yeah, eventually I picked it up, but yeah, it took some time. It definitely was lots of rage quits going on. It's very random, but what, what phone do you use? I'm very curious. I always ask someone this. My main driver is iOS, and then I also have a, um, what do you call this? The um, Fold? The Fold, yeah. Oh, nice. I was I was thinking about it the other day because like when the Samsung phones came out and like I saw all these different aspect ratios on the folds and I was like oh flood I can definitely make this because <laughs> it's a it's an Android phone as well right so yeah because I think foldables have a future like for me like I'm always like you know what I want to I want to have an iPad because you know you want to show your friends something or you want to have more space to work on but my pocket's only so big so foldable is definitely what I really want and so yeah. I think that's going to have some kind of future to it. Wow. That's really cool. That's really cool. Are you liking it? Yeah. I'm trying to get into it more. Just like, I don't feel like opening up all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise. And then also the, the other thing I don't like is that screen is actually too small. When you fold it, this, the outside screen is not very big. So that's kind of the negative. If that one was a little bit wider. That would be much better. I'm always curious with the, with that fold that you have. Um, you know, I always love talking about phones and stuff, but like, the whole in between because when you when you open it up the idea is you want to be more productive right have a few apps on the screen but like at that point would you wouldn't you just sit on the computer like that's always my thought it's like phone is full on the go but i guess there'll be a situation where you're on the train i guess or something like that you're uber <laughs> you want to like open up your mad phone and you start doing work like um i guess there's a case for that what, what i guess it's um what was your main motivation to buy it because it's a pretty cool piece of tech i guess like I said, I'm interested. I'm interested in having, you know, a phone, but also, you know, to open it and have a bigger screen. And I think, I think there's some future into it for sure, because, like I said, I think I'm not the only person that wants to be able to use it as a phone. And then when you need a bigger screen, you could just whip it open, and you have a bigger screen that you, when you need the more space. Yeah, not for sure. I feel that like when I use an iPhone, like when I'm an iPhone user right now, and when I watch a YouTube video and sometimes I want to write notes down, like I have to go completely out, out the app, like completely notes. It's like, Oh, come on. It's 2022. Give me a little, like a little split screen at least. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So you can only split screen with, with, I, with iPad, which I have over here. So I have my iPad pro. This is a 12 inch. I also have the 11 inch too somewhere, the smaller one. I have a iPad as well. And not to uh, nitpick at the, iPad, which I have, you know, I just love this stuff, but the split screen is only in one sort of axis. Like I can't have like horizontal rectangles. It's all vertical rectangles, which is not super useful for when you want to like write notes or something like that, but maybe that, that has to be a software fix. Like it's not a hardware thing. So maybe they can get on that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think I just have one last question for you before we wrap up because we're approaching the end. Well, we're approaching about an hour in. Um, yeah, I think my question is this: like, if if I'm 
if I'm interested to do something similar to you, either to like to share what I learned or whatever reason, I want to make my own kind of YouTube channel and do some tutorials like you do. Is there any kind of advice that you give to people that you think uh, will help them on their journey? For sure. Um, I think one of the first things um, that is sometimes like you can um, do YouTube stuff, but like under a different brand name, um, which is if it's your brand, then that's cool. But I think it's really useful to have a channel and a presence with your name, like I've individualized, like, you know, easy to identify. It's like, oh, this person. Um, I think that's what Elon Musk, I mean, he's great at a lot of things, but I think that's what he's really good at in terms of like exposure. Like um, he doesn't spend any marketing money on his Tesla, but him himself is like such a big like presence. Um, even this is kind of sl slight tangent, but um, I watch a lot of soccer and Manchester United is really bad right now. And it's like a huge club. And someone needs to buy the club and Elon Musk comes out on Twitter like, I'm going to buy Manchester United. Just stuff like that. Like, he doesn't mean it, but like, and it's his name as well. And so like his, uh, his own sort of marketing, you identify with that person so, um, so well. And I think that's kind of what the internet is enabling with all these platforms. Um, I have my own channel with my own name. And of course, you can make more channels and more, you know, other, other brand names and Flying Howard Flutter and all that. Um, but I think just as an individual for yourself i think it's good to have your own channel with your own name um so that would be probably my my best advice um the other thing is to just start um just you'll never you know there's a saying about um i mean not a saying but a truth about one of those painters like picasso or something and we see like one painting that he's really famous for but we never think about how many paintings it took to get there and it's okay to just make rubbish for a bit you know what i mean just sometimes you need a like grind out a you know a bit of like dirty water for the clean water to come out um and yeah just i probably the last thing is um to not worry about uh like a, i guess a hater you know if someone comes in like talking mad you know like a lot of bad stuff to you and trying to demotivate you just think about what their life is like it's probably not as good as yours you know they're probably just like that because just feel empathy for them it's like what must be going on in this guy's life that he comes all the way to my flutter video to, you know, talk, talk trash. Um, uh, so, you know, don't worry about it. Just do, do you. And, um, and yeah, just, just create. Uh, the last thing I just want to say on that is I love talking about waves. There's a lot of waves going on, like whether that's the internet and YouTube wave um, and flutter wave as well. Like it's all, I feel like there's like a wave coming. I always look at the Google trend search graph of like flutter it's like almost exponential and there's something that's like about to happen right now. And I always say, um, I live in Australia, there's a lot of surfing going on. And if you want to catch a wave and it's over there coming, you got to start paddling now. You can't, if the wave comes and you start paddling, it's too late. Um, you know, the, the phase would have gone past you. And so if you have some inkling in your mind of like, oh, I always wanted to start this thing, YouTube channel or whatever your endeavor is, just start like now, like literally like tonight, just you could record a video on your phone and just put up a video tonight. Like it doesn't actually take um, that long at all. And, um, you know, with the whole, I'm also very interested in AI and like with the whole automation stuff, the only thing that's going to be left for a human to do is just be creative. So if you're doing a job that's kind of very menial, like, you know, let's do some creative stuff as well. <laughs> like kind of feed your soul a bit.
But um, yeah, I hope that answered your question. But yeah, that's just my two cents. Okay. No, I think that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think the hardest part about getting started is actually just getting started, just doing it. Right. Mm. Don't get caught up in all the details of oh my microphone, my camera. Ah, yes, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Some people get wrapped up in that, like for everything, not just about YouTube, but starting a business or learning Flutter or whatever, whatever thing. So I think that's a good point. Okay, cool. Uh, it was great having you on. Um, sorry to kind of cut this short a little bit, but I do want to get home and have my dinner pretty soon. <laughs> I spent about five minutes at home before I had to rush out to the office. Uh, but I think we have a, a good episode today. So I appreciate your, your time today. Um, maybe we'll have you back on again. Maybe it'd be nice to have you and David on at the same time. I don't know. We could talk about that as a future episode. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, again, thank you for coming on and it's good to hear about your journey. Cool. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for being hospitable. See ya.